You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Queen's Podcast. My name is Heather Darcy. I am the author of Anna, Duchess of Cleves, The King's Beloved Sister. Out now and out next year, Children of the House of Cleves, Anna and her siblings. I am delighted to introduce Katie and Nathan. I do have to warn you that they do use explicit language, so if you're not into swear words, then the sure as shit is not the podcast for you. However, after you finish listening to this episode, if you'd like to learn more about Anna or women's history in general, I'd encourage you to head over to my website, maidensandmanuscripts.com. Cheers, bitches. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. We're back. Guess who's back? Back again. Queens are back. Tell your friends. Yes, exactly. 100% what Nathan just said. We are back after our little summer break, and um, we you guys voted. We took your vote seriously, and you wanted... Ermagerd, it's Eleanor of Equator! Ermagerd, it's Eleanor! <laughs> but no, yes, it's Eleanor of Aquitaine! Yeah, if you don't understand nerd. <laughs> yeah, if you don't speak goosebumps. <laughs> right. Eleanor of Aquitaine was, she was a queen of France, she was a queen of England, she was a duchess in her own right, um, and she was just all around a badass bitch, so I'm yeah, really excited to talk about I her I think today. that's an understatement, yes. saying that she's a badass bitch. She she was the original badass yes. bitch. Yes, agreed. Uh, Nathan, what are we drinking? So today we're drinking something that's from a famous Atlanta gastropub, oh. Holman and Finch. Oh. And so they, they actually have a cocktail named... Eleanor of Aquatwain. Hey! Aquatwain! Aquatwain. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor of Aquatain. Um, and that's who the show is about. So I was so, like, damn, ah. this this works out well. And guys, um, I tried this drink yesterday to be like, let me see how it is. And let's just say that I had a drink. Because you, you showed me the recipe and it looked quite ambitious. Yeah. And so I drank it yesterday and I fell asleep at 4 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> totally normal. Right after I drank the drink and woke up at 4 a.m. So. Wow. We apologize if we get super toasted. I don't. <laughs> I do not. Um, so. In this cocktail, it is uh, equal parts Armagnac, which is cognac, but. For the army? Yeah, yeah. Army, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a little bit sweeter and smoother than cognac. Okay. okay. Um, so we're definitely going to get a little bit of, a little bit, a lot of bit of whiskey vibes in this drink. Okay. Uh, Fernet Branca, 
Campari, which I just like to call Campari. Yeah. Because okay. that just fits our that fits our motto. Yeah. Um, a little bit of lime juice, some instead of simple syrup, I just uh use some warm water and stevia instead. Okay. Um, and then you top it off with champagne. I appreciate that because you know I just don't really like sugar. So I appreciate you using the stevia instead. Yeah, I'm not a sweets person either. Yeah. So without further ado, my darling, let's give it a nice big pop on our champagne. Oh! Alrighty, so I'm pouring us some champagne. I am excited to try this. This bitch looks like she was. Ooh! Uh oh, uh oh, oh, that's perfect. That was perfect pour. That that. was a. Okay, so I'm gonna take a sip of this. Alright, let's see how this is. It's it's terrible. (laughs) It's strong. I don't dislike it. It's strong, though. Like, I feel like once I get to my second one, I won't notice. Because it is bitter. Yeah. It's it is bitter. bitter. It's got a little bitter. Uh, that's the Fernier Branca or whatever. Yeah. No. The Italian bitters. It's. Not, so, I mean, it's not my favorite cocktail, but I would definitely, um, if this was on happy hour special, I'd drink it all night. Yes, exactly. And it is literally, guys, it's like three shots of liquor Have you ever had Aperol, Aperol Spritz? Yes. It kind of tastes like Aperol similar, Spritz. Similar. Yeah. Like the recipe was like, if you can't find Campari or whatever, use Aperol. Okay. And I was like, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That makes sense now. All, All right. right. So let's get into Eleanor. She was born um, probably 1122. Yeah. Again, bag of dicks. We don't really even know. We don't know really know. Her, but um, she was the oldest of three kids. She was born in Poitiers, where her father was a count. So, family, oh shit, girls, guys, whatever you are, this one's a doozy. This family, (laughs) we're going to do a bit of a deep dive. We're actually going to start with her grandparents before we even get into, like, her actual immediate family. So, um, her paternal grandfather's name was William the Ninth, Duke of Aquitaine, Count of Poitiers, and he had a bunch of other super important sound titles. <laughs> and he was well known for being a troubadour. Troubadours were, um, like these singing poets of the day. And like, back then, if the nobility ever wrote poetry or music or anything, they did it in Latin. There was a lot of like, commoner um poets and stuff that would do it in the common tongue but the troubadour the troubadours troubadours the troubadours were like the first group that made it like in fashion to write poetry and music in your own language and then they would have like kind of like modern day like rap battles yeah like troubadour (laughs) battles and they'd like brag about like who had more money and women and so they were <laughs> it's kind of awesome yeah no the troubadours <laughs> were super cool so granddaddy william was more or less just like brought this into style in medieval france yeah he very much had a wife but he was a fucking player let's be real yeah no he had a wife but like he also had plenty of girlfriends but he didn't like flaunt that in front of his wife or anything they did him and his wife did have several kids one of One of them was a kid named William, because they ain't that creative. (laughs) Truth. So her maternal grandmother goes down in history by the name Danger Rose. I love it. (laughs) I want to legally change my name to Danger Rose. I mean, she was known to be, like, fucking beautiful and hard-headed. Like, Mm -hmm. she's Danger Rose. She's Danger Rose. (laughs) She was married to a Viscount named Amory. 
Um, and with Amory, she had a couple of kids, I think like five kids, and one of them was a daughter named Anor. So Danger Rose and the Duke Billy fell in love, and Duke Billy <clears throat> kidnapped Danger Rose. Okay, so since you're out there in podcast land, you can't see us doing air quotes around kidnapped, <laughs> because Danger Rose was almost certainly a willing participant in this. Yeah, she's like, oh no, you're oh, going to no. take me where? You're kidnapping me! I've got my bags packed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to grab my bags real quick. So the two of them were together for the rest of Duke Billy's life, much to the annoyance of their spouses and... The Pope and... Everyone Everyone. <laughs> everyone was really annoyed that they did this. Um, long story short, to make peace between the two families, they decided that they would marry... Um, two of their children together. So Billy's heir, William, married Dangerous's eldest daughter, Anor. Because this is all totally normal, yeah, right? This is, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> um, I think of all of our queens, this is the most scandalous lead up to her birth. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So so mom and dad were married probably in 1121. And they had three children, Eleanor, which... Um, in the language that they spoke, which was some dialect of French, L meant like another girl, mm-hmm. and Anor was her mom's name. So she was oh, the other Anor. Yeah. 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 Um, so they had Eleanor, another daughter named Petronilla, and a son named William, because again, no one's super creative. No, we just got to name him after Daddy O. <laughs> um, when Duke Billy dies in 1127, Eleanor's dad is now Duke William X. He's the Duke of Aquitaine, Duke of Gascony, and Count of Poitiers. Um, so what does that mean? They rich, y'all! They rich, bitch! <laughs> this is like the, like, this is a third of the country of modern day France. They yeah. own more land in France than the fucking king owns. Bitch. And they are... They are quite affluent. I think it would be fair to say. <laughs> okay, so what are all these places? Aquitaine, Gascony. We've talked about before, um, like back in medieval times, these countries that we know today aren't really the same. Like mm-hmm. France was, you know, the people there were still like all paid fealty and like paid taxes to the king in return for like protection from the king. They were like, Little city states, kind of. Yeah. So, like Aquitaine was basically like, it had a a lot of autonomy, but it did still like pay taxes to the king. So there was Paris, where the king was, mm-hmm. and then there's all these duchies, which are basically like you were saying, like states. Normandy. Like mm-hmm. when we talked of like um, William the Conqueror, he was the Duke of Normandy yeah. and stuff like that. And then um, pretty much everywhere else. Eleanor's family owned. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I'm only slightly exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, like. no, she really is. So let's talk about Aquitaine. Um, at this time, Aquitaine was a hub for the troubadours in art, like basically East Village, New York City. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great comparison. <laughs> all the great thinkers, the writers of the time, they were all going to Aquitaine. And Paris is considered much more like of... Um, backwater you know just kind of like that's not where which is such so crazy because like when we think of paris you think of like fashion and art because of the fuck you know the fucking louvre and um 
Paris, Coco Chanel. Like you think of, you think of fashion. uh, (laughs) Yes, you think Paris, but like um, then it was much more Aquitaine. Is where all the artists and the philosophers and she, Eleanor, was raised with lots of artists and great thinkers. Yeah, her family's like totally into this shit, too. They are super into the arts. Um, Her dad was called the Saint. Um, So he was very popular amongst his people. (laughs) Yeah, right? And the first, they were the first family of Southern France, and they were fucking adored by everybody. Everybody loved Willie and the fam, you know? like. But sadly, for the first family of Aquitaine, uh, tragedy struck in the spring of 1130, I could not find what happened, but around, like, the same time, his, uh, Eleanor's mom and little brother both died. So, I'm gonna assume it must have been some kind of infectious disease. Yeah, some disease. Who the fuck knows? In 1130, you died of, like, a migraine or, like, a paper cut or, or a earache. Yeah, like <laughs> so maybe they both got strep throat or something, yeah, you know, like probably something like that. And so now Eleanor is his heir. Um Aquitaine wasn't quite as much as a bag of dicks as some other places and for duchies it was really no issue for a woman to inherit a title. Yeah, like you couldn't you couldn't inherit if you were the son of the king, you couldn't inherit and be or I'm sorry, if you were the daughter of the king, you couldn't inherit and be queen. But if you're a daughter of a duke, sure, you can inherit and be duchess. Which is pretty badass. That's fine. So at five years old, Eleanor was now the heir if her father, you know, never had any more sons. Um, and he never did remarry, which is a little weird since he was so young. I know, I, I mean, that... he was like 30 whenever. It makes me wonder if um, their arranged marriage, Eleanor and um, William, like maybe they were actually in love. Possible, very possible. Or maybe he just just was like, "Ugh, I don't, well, I don't want to have another wedding." <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of education does a very, very rich young duchess get? A pretty damn good one. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you know, they're like we said, they're in this place flourishing with education and art and wine. Um, so <laughs> obviously, like my kind of place. <laughs> yes. So obviously she needs to learn to read and write, which um, wasn't normally a done thing with women of the time. With men either. Like, Yeah, it wasn't. She took history lessons, which yeah. is really cool. Um, she learned lots of languages. Um, Aquitaine spoke pretty much a whole different language than... It was very similar to French, but like a completely different dialect. Mm-hmm. But then she also learned French, and she learned Italian and Latin, and I'm going to like go out on a limb and assume like some Spanish and stuff, too. Probably. She studied mathematics. Which is interesting. Yeah. They, she learned about the constellations, which I don't know what a 12th century education on the constellations would have, would have consisted. Well, I mean, if you think about it, that pagan religion in England was around for a while by that mm, point. Yeah. So they had the same sort of, you know, same thing. I don't know. In my head, it's just being like, Big Dipper, Little, Little Dipper. Dipper. <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she took some of those typical, like, quote-unquote, girl classes. Sewing, dancing, household management, um, more sewing. So, Katie, what, in, in one word, if you could sum her up, what would she be like? Charming. Okay. She is said to be, she was said to be very, very pretty from a young age. Though no one, like, her looks are commented on throughout her whole life. Though nobody, like, writes down a specific. It's just always like... She was very beautiful. Everyone agreed she was very beautiful, but nobody but nobody bothered to be like she was very beautiful with her blonde hair. Like no one. <laughs> um, I think what what was part of her allure, if you will, was her charm and yeah. how witty she was, how clever she was. Mm-hmm. I think she got that for she got it from a mama. I think she did, or yeah, or just like growing up the way she grew up. Um, she was also very good at entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, she loved playing games and sports. Like she loved going riding and hunting, but she also loved, you know, like playing chess and just very bright and extroverted and outgoing and very strong willed. Yeah, like from, from a, a young age, super duper young. They she, were like, "Don't start an argument with Eleanor. You are not going to win." Yeah, this bitch. It loves to debate. <laughs> also, in her childhood, she was very close to her sister Petronilla. I mean, which kind of sounds like Petronilla was the only other kid around. So, so she really didn't have much choice. You would be. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't really know anything about Petronilla as a child, but um, from some of her actions later in her life. I'm going to assume she's a lot like Eleanor. Yeah. So her childhood's going pretty great. And then her dad is like, I got to go on a pilgrimage to Spain. I honestly don't know why he just up and decided to go a pilgrimaging. (laughs) But he did. A pilgrimaging. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he heads out to Spain to, you know, chill. (laughs) It's believed that the Apostle James had brought Christianity to that part of Spain and that's where his remains were laid to rest after he was, like, super-duper killed by the Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughters rode out with him as far as their lands went, which is pretty, pretty far. Pretty fucking far. Yeah. And that was pretty much the last they ever saw of dear old dad. I'm not crying. You're crying. Okay. Katie, pull mm-hmm. it together. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> okay. 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 <laughs> While on his way to Spain, Papa Duke got really fucking sick. I wonder if, like, he knew he was getting sick, and like maybe that's why he wanted to go a pilgrimaging because, like, maybe the saint would cure what ails him. Because it just seems like it was kind of sudden, you know? Yeah. Um. But when he realizes he's dying, he writes up his will. And he, like, clearly states in no uncertain terms, you know, Eleanor is my heir, and whoever she marries, her lands will stay with her. Like, so if she, he was like, if she marries... Those are her lands. Those are still her lands, and they go to her children. They, Not if, her man. If the man dies, the man's family doesn't inherit her lands, because that was, like, kind of common practice back then. Yeah. It was like, no. They go to her, and then her children. And um, he sent a request to the king of France asking him, like, hey, I'm dying. Will you take my daughters on as your wards and make sure that um, they marry well? Yeah. And unsurprisingly, the king was like, all right, cool. Take all your land and money. Yes, sir, I will. (laughs) So Daddio was buried at the cathedral in Spain. He was going to. So honestly, don't know if they had like a... 
a, a formal funeral? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if he was buried in Spain, like, maybe they did, like, a memorial for him back in Aquitaine, but, like, they definitely didn't, like, lay him to rest in Aquitaine. I mean, it's the 12th century, so. And I didn't see anything about, like, them going to a funeral there in Spain, so. We also don't have, like, any real information on how Eleanor or her sister took this death. I'm sure that it wasn't great. I mean, it seems like he was a pretty hands-on dad. Yeah. Because we do talk about a lot of queens that are like, and this was her father, but she never saw him. Yeah. But, like, he, they lived at home with their dad, like. So they were, I'm sure it was a punch to the gut for him. Yeah. It was not a happy occasion. (laughs) Um, But now she is ruler of like a third of modern day France at age 14 or 15. Whoa. (laughs) And the king was like, girl, we got to get y'all ass out of here. So there was this real fun habit of the time. Like ambitious men would go and like kidnap rich heiresses and force them to marry them. And I'm almost certain that rape was usually involved because history is disgusting. <laughs> Nathan, why do we do this? History is fucking depressing. Girl, just sip your turpentine drink. Okay. <laughs> I, need, I need a moment. I need a moment. I might have Bill cosby that drink. Watch out. Oh, that was in poor taste, <laughs> Well, we're talking about kidnapping and raping, yeah, so... so <laughs> right up his alley. Boom! <laughs> um, so yeah, the king wanting to get Eleanor into his keeping wasn't 100% selfish. It was also, like, in her best interest, too. But he did have another motive, let's mm-hmm. be real. The Prince Louis, um, the king had a son named Louis. Yeah. Who was only, like, two or three years older than her. The king's name was Louis, and his son's Son's name name was was Louis. Louis. (laughs) Uh I saw this meme one time. It was, like, these cartoon characters were dropped into history, and they're like, what year is this? And they say, hey, who's the king of France? And another cartoon yells back, Louis. And it's like, we could be any time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So Louis was going to make sure that his son, Louis, married Eleanor and the crown would have control of her lands as long as she was alive. They thought. (laughs) Foreshadowing. (laughs) So um, he sent Prince Louis and like a ton of bodyguards to go to go like get Eleanor, get married to her and escort her back to Paris. So let's learn a little bit about Louis. Um, Louis was a second son, so he wasn't really raised to be the king. He had, um, grown up assuming that he would either be, like, a cardinal, Mm -hmm. a bishop, maybe even pope one day. The pope! He might be the pope! Uh, So he grew up in a monastery, which actually, like, led to him having a better education than most royal sons. Mm -hmm. Um, monasteries were... Baller for education. <laughs> Until he was like 11 years old and his brother ends up falling off a fucking horse and breaks his neck and dies. So guess who's the heir now? Fuck. I think that was Louis' exact like, Louis, you're now heir to the throne. He's like, fuck. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, because he really did not want to be king. I don't think he wanted to be king. Mm-hmm. I, I think he his life would have been so much happier for sweet baby Louis if he would have just been an archbishop or yeah. some shit. Ooh, I need to I need to touch up my drink. You need to freshen up. Freshen it up. Yeah, let me get you some champagne. Some champagne. Mm-hmm. 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 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. So, Louis and his crew rock up in all Aquitaine to get Ellie and her sister. But they're not going to take any chance of anyone else, you know, grabbing up Eleanor. So before they hit the row for Paris, there's going to be a wedding, y'all. Going to be a wedding. <laughs> um, they do have to get um, a papal dispensation because they are like third cousins. Yeah. And the church um, does not allow marriages within the sixth or seventh degree so the two were married on july 20 1137 in bordeaux which is still her land holdings and the wedding is this i mean of course it was it was this huge fucking to do it went the festivities went on for like two or three days she um, wore a red dress y'all a red dress i love it it was like it was a it was a proper southern france celebration which meant there were there was music and poetry and probably some people like making out in the corner and everyone's yes. like getting everyone was getting turned. Yeah, it's a fucking and party, yo. Poor baby monk Louie <laughs> is just sitting there like what the actual fuck? Yeah, is. these people are getting freaky deaky, and like, he is not down with it. He is not. He's just like, I gotta go pray about this real quick. <laughs> so lucky for Eleanor and Louis, it was not the customary at this point for their wedding night to be documented. You like know, with Catherine de Medici, where like their parents watched them fuck, like to make sure that they consummated <laughs> the marriage. Luckily, that is not something Eleanor had to um, endure. But really, mainly lucky for Louis, because um, I think the embarrassment of that would have just literally killed yeah, him. Yeah, it's likely they didn't do any of that sexy time for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a long time before Ellie really got pregnant. They There was no... No baby making happening anytime soon. But by all contemporary accounts, Louis was like obsessed with Eleanor. Yeah. Um, he was just like so proud of her because she was so beautiful and so rich. And, <laughs> and I don't really think Eleanor felt the same way. But she was going to make, 
She was going to make an effort. An E for effort. She was going to try to make this work. I mean, what what other option did she have? Yeah, not really any. Um, they were then named the Duke and Duchess of Aquitaine, Count and Countess of Poitiers, etc., etc., etc. And so they start touring their lands together and kind of like as like a honeymoon, mm-hmm. kind of, except, except like, no sex. Except no sex, um, because Louis was a monk. And, um, but whatever, they're young. Yeah. They have, she's only like 15. She's got plenty of time. For boning? She got plenty of, plenty of boning years left. (laughs) So, except this sounds great and all, but their honeymoon was cut short. Um, and rather suddenly because Daddy King dies about a week after their wedding. And now Ellie and her shy little monkey husband. Monkey husband. Because he thinks he's a monk. Um, they're now king and queen of France. So in the span of like three months, she's gone from like the daughter of a duke to a duchess to married to fucking queen of the entire country. Yeah. So pretty quick. Yeah. Pretty crash course. Um, <laughs> so they head north. And from the get go, Ellie is unconventional because queens didn't usually bring more than just a little tight-knit small crew. And she was like, come on, gang, we're going to Paris. And come like, on, ladies, troubadours, court yeah, musicians, she brings, she probably brings, like, at least 50 people. And that was just not the done thing, because you were supposed to... <laughs> you were supposed to, like, lean into the culture of, like, your husband, of where you're going to live, and she is like, you can take the girl out of Aquitaine, but you cannot take Aquitaine out of the girl, and I am bringing my musicians, I'm bringing my chef, I'm bringing my seamstress, I'm bringing my friends. <laughs> so, as you can probably imagine, she was not a hit with the people. So, now, when we think about Paris, like we said earlier, we think about fashion. It was not quite that sort of thing Parisians at this time were very pious. <laughs> they were a very quiet, pious people. They didn't wear fancy clothes. The women weren't educated. They were quiet, subservient, blah, blah, blah. So in rocks Eleanor and her crew, and they are loud and flashy. Sounds like my kind of people. They're probably making dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got on, like, the finest cloth for their clothes and a lot of the contemporary description of ellie um they are all just like she was so obsessed with what she was wearing to the parisians would have been considered very um vain vain secular you Mm -hmm. know just like but y'all she was raised knowing that she is like the daughter of the most like noble fucking family. And she was raised with hippies, basically. She's gonna dress like she is the queen. She's not yeah. gonna just be the queen. She's gonna fucking dress like she's the queen. And, you know, cheers. Let's cheers, cheers to that. that. So Fuck this, yeah. like, for Ellie is like a fucking culture shock. Um, she was loud, smart, flashy, witty. All of these things that in Paris were not in vogue. No. And um, she was unpopular with Louis' mom. <laughs> The Dowager Queen Adelaide, who actually, I find Adelaide to be a very interesting character. Yeah, um, she didn't, like, fit that picture-perfect mold either. No, Queen Addie, or at this point, I guess it would be Dowager Queen mm-hmm. Addie, was also not the pious, quiet, do-what-you're-told woman either. So you would either. think they would get along. No, because they were two alphas. Oh, two alphas don't make a right. No. Sure. <laughs> 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 she 
<laughs> Addie was uncommonly powerful for a queen. She refused to just be a little baby machine. She was uh, <laughs> like, I'm going to have a hand in making the laws, too. And after the king died, um, the dowager queen is supposed to just be like, all right, I'm going to go live at this abbey and be a nun now. And But Queen Adeline was just like, nah, I think I'm going to stick around and keep... Um, controlling things through my son yeah her son was kind of a wimp anyway yes exactly oh yeah she She takes on another husband too she she gets married again which again was not it was just really not the done thing yeah you're supposed to retire to an abbey you're supposed to just be so distraught at the death of your husband that she had to go out and find some more dick yeah (laughs) but anyway so um she did not like the idea of not being the alpha queen at court so Ellie and Addie butted heads, and Ad- Queen Adelaide would always be like, Eleanor, you're being too loud. You're being too flashy. You need to stop fucking doing this. And Eleanor would be like, a new phone, who does? <laughs> or I guess like, new quill, who, I don't know. <laughs> new quill, who New messenger pigeon, who does? <laughs> so Addie is not fucking amused Mm-mm. or impressed by her new Mm-mm. daughter-in-law. But Louie was. Yeah, he was totally what his jam was. So Ellie got what she wanted, pretty much. Moral of the story. Which started with a little bit of redecoration. Redecoration. Let's change up this feng shui. So, how do you... Is it the, the city? Cite. The Cite. Cite Palace? Cite. I don't know. It just looks like City Palace to me, which makes yeah. sense. It wasn't a city. Um... <laughs> The palace where the royal family lived, the descriptions of it from the time where Ellie rocked up makes me think of um, Ye Olde Dusty Castle that we talked about where Isabel Uh, of Castile Castile lived Mm -hmm. with her mom for a long time. Like it was not very big windows, not really anything pretty to look at. Um, just bare bones. And Eleanor was like, no, I'm no. not going to do this. No. And she was like, I want to redecorate. And Louis like just gave her the checkbook and was like, go to town, baby girl. So she was given free range to do whatever the hell she wanted. So she brought in new tapestries, the finest art, new rugs, curtains, everything was done new. And in the Southern Aquitaine style. Yeah, exactly. Most notably, she had fireplaces put in a palace. Yeah, they didn't even have fucking fireplaces before she got there. So they froze to death. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of a big deal because that's obviously, I mean, when you're putting in something like that into like a castle that's already like 500 years old or some shit. Yeah. Like that's a huge undertaking. Um, It's probably really expensive too. (laughs) And everyone was like, what a ridiculous expense. But you know what? As a southerner who gets cold all the time, Girl, I feel you. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone is like, Louis, why in the hell are you letting this woman spend all your money? And he's like, happy wife, happy life. I wish everybody abided by that rule. I know. And everyone was like. Are you listening, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone was like, ugh, okay, fine. So long as she produces an heir, then whatever the hell. But she wasn't producing heirs because... Her husband almost certainly had not touched her yet. He was being very monkey. I can't imagine, just like from her personality, I can't imagine that she wasn't at least trying to get him to sleep with her. Yeah. That would have been like showing everybody all... 
I'll show my haters. I'll have a son. You know, yeah. I'm sure she would have loved to have a son, like, right off the bat in the first couple of years of marriage. But Louis just had it in his head, like, that's a sin. Even yeah. though they're married, he's still, like, because his parents always thought he'd be a monk or a priest or something. It was he just, was like, that way. It was just, he now, so now he's like, oh, I love you so much, but I will go to hell if I touch you, you know? Yeah, and Eleanor was noted to have said something around the lines of, uh, I thought I was marrying a king, but I married a monk. Burn. Burn. Um, so Louis was starting to show signs of not being a great king. So, spoiler alert. <laughs> he had the temper. Like, when I was reading about him, I just kept thinking of my two-year-old niece, who just sometimes, she's beautiful and I love her and she's perfect. But every now and then she just throws these temper tantrums that come out of nowhere for <laughs> no reason. <laughs> And but that I don't wanna. One time I was holding her and I went to sit in a chair and she said, what color is that chair? And I said, that chair is brown. And she had a complete and total meltdown because she did not want to sit in a brown chair. <sighs> and I feel like that's something that Louie <laughs> would have said. Like just he, he didn't like being told what to do by anybody except for like a very very small group of people like one or two mm. priests and his mom and so like, although he hadn't like reigned a long time he had already shown that he couldn't handle conflict Mm-mm. at all and when anyone disagreed with him he like you said would throw he these- didn't want to sit in the brown chair he was very easily influenced by whoever he spoke to last basically yeah basically like just nope the person I spoke to 10 minutes ago said this, so this is what I'm going to do. Not a great quality in the Mm-mm. king. <laughs> he is young, but still. He had been junior king. JK. He had been JK. Um, <laughs> which I don't know. Maybe we've talked about the medieval practice of junior kings before, but in case not, because it will come up in her episode too. It was a common practice in medieval times that the king would crown his heir as junior king while the senior king was still alive so that it was like there was no question about who would inherit when the king died. I wish they did that all the time because then we probably wouldn't have had as much conflict. So many wars. (laughs) So he did have practice. He had been junior king for like seven years, but just from the evidence of how he kind of acted in his first few years of being king, I feel like he wasn't actually given any responsibility as junior king. So, Katie, are you ready for some scandal? I'm always ready for some scandal. (laughs) Scandal numero uno. Numero uno. So, remember Eleanor's sister, Petronilla? Mm Mm-hmm. So, the year is 1141, so they've been kicking it around Paris for a while, and Ellie's been queen for about five years at this time. So, Petronilla is about 16 or 17, and, (laughs) girl, she's got some daddy issues Mm -hmm. because she starts mad crushing on this super old dude named rudolph like excuse me rudolph ralph ralph uh ralph is like 30 years older than her and already married which kind of makes me want a ralph (laughs) (laughs) but petronella is like fuck that this is who i want to be with um and he wants to be with me so i am digging in my heels this is my man my sister's queen Let's make this happen, Cap'n. And Eleanor is on fucking board. She's like, okay, at least one of us should be with a man who she actually fucking likes. So let's get your man divorced from his wife. So Eleanor went to Louie and was like, I'm going to need you to like be on board with Ralph divorcing his wife and marrying Petronilla 
because we need your support to like pull it off. And Louis like, happy wife, happy life. Yes, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want, whatever baby. You want, absolutely. <clears throat> so Ralph and Petronella go to this group of um, bishops in France, and they're like, look, we've got a letter from the king saying that um, he endorses this annulment because um, they were like, Ralph and his wife are third cousins. Say the word for me. Consanguity. Yes. Um, <laughs> and this is going to be important later because um, people are like, hey, Eleanor, aren't you also like third cousins with your husband? And she's, she's like, like oh, <laughs> this is not what we're talking about. <laughs> but Ralph's wife obviously is not about to be disrespected like this. Um, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph's wife's brother Ralph's wife's brother. Yes, so Ralph's brother-in-law <laughs> is this really, really powerful count named Theobald. And Count Theo was, um, hey, king, this isn't fucking cool. You better not be backing this divorce. This is mad disrespect to my sister. Yeah, and we already know that Louis likes to, like, bow up to anybody that tells him what to do and anything that he thinks is beneath so he, him. He, so Louis, like, double fucking downs on this marriage. Like, before he'd just been like, ah, my wife wants his, her sister to be married to the guy she likes, so yeah. But now that like somebody's being like, hey, Louie, you better not be backing this. He's like, I'm not just backing it. I'm super duper backing it. Like, <laughs> come at me, bro. So Petronilla and Ralph are married in 1142. So, again. Happy wife, happy life. Eleanor is thrilled to bits. Well... Because I'm sure she was nervous that her sister was going to have to marry somebody from, like, a different court or a different country. And, like, she wouldn't see her anymore. So now it's like, ah, oh, I get to keep my best friend here with me, you know? And um, the Count Theobald was like, well, I guess it's fucking on, dude. And very long story short, <laughs> it is this whole fucking thing. Yeah. Count, Count- Theo goes to the Pope and has... Count Ralph and Patronilla excommunicated. Which back then was a very bad thing. <laughs> it's still a bad thing. So Louis declares war on Theobald, and they go to fucking war with each other over all this stupid shit. And guess who everyone in the country is blaming? Not the king, not Theobald, but fucking Eleanor. They're like, if Eleanor just would have respected Ralph's marriage... Oh, if we if we gotta blame anybody, we should be blaming Ralph, you know? Yeah, right? He's the one that had a say in this. He's the one that had a wife and then decided that he wanted to, like, go look at somebody else. He, yeah. he wanted to go look at some teenager. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the war between the Count and the King went on for two whole fucking years. So they were fighting a battle in this one city called Vertie-le-Francois. I think it's Vertie-le-Francois okay. would be my guess. Yes. Vertie- let's, just, let's just call it Vertie. Verdi. So they yeah. fought in Verdi, and the king was personally there, and he was, like, so fucking sick of this shit. He was like, it ends here, bitches. And so all the civilians had rushed into the cathedral because that was kind of what you did Yeah, the, the, the Verdi Cathedral. Sanctuary. Yeah, they were, um, so basically anybody that wasn't fighting, and that was pretty customary. That's where yeah. you went and hit out. And, like, so when we're talking about anyone wasn't fighting, we're talking, like, women. Children. Children. Yeah. Old people, mm-hmm. sick people, like they all run into the cathedral because surely the king's not going to hurt people who are like got 
Jesus protecting them. Yeah. So what does right? Louis, right. So what does Louis fucking do in an act of fucking Cersei Lannister evil shit? This is some Cersei Lannister shit. Evil I wonder shit. if that's where this came from. Because you know George George R R Martin. Pulls from history. Yeah, I wonder mm-hmm. if this is where that came from. So Louis just decides to torch the fucking church. And like all his dudes are like, um, um, uh, beg your pardon? Qu'est-ce que Pardon? Sorry, I must have misheard you. I, it sounded like you said, set the church with all the women and children and old people on fire. And Louis was like, uh, did I stutter? And that's, there's like 1,300 people, innocent that, fucking people the, in there. The estimations run between 1,000 people and 1,500 people. So let's put it right in the let's middle. Let's put it right in the middle. <laughs> 1,300 people. So they set fire to the fucking church. And they blocked the doors and everyone in the church dies. Ooh. And it basically, like, the entire continent of Europe goes, the fuck? <laughs> Because you respected sanctuary. Yeah. Like, there were rules of war. Don't burn Don't Jesus. Don't burn children. <laughs> that seems like a pretty easy rule. Yeah. To abide by, unless you're Louis. Especially someone that was raised in the church, you know, like... Yeah, you would think mm, Monkey Monkey Louie would mm, be okay with that, but it mm, he burned that shit down. So everyone is like, holy shit, our king is crazy. And I guess in a fit of, like, mad lust, he went home and finally fucked his wife because Eleanor got pregnant that year. That's some fucking (laughs) sick-ass shit. But still, finally. Finally. (laughs) So this would be a happy time, but on account of all this church-burning shit, it really wasn't. The Pope was pissed. I'm a Pope. I'm a pissed. Oh, I'm angry now. (laughs) And so he, like, sets out to, like, publicly humiliate Louis. And you know what? rightfully so right and then like louis snapped out of asshole mode and realized what a horrible fucking thing he just did and he goes into this like super deep depression and good because you just murdered 1300 people and that's lowballing it so yeah and that's, <laughs> and that's a roughest that's like a median thing. yeah like, right so we don't know how eleanor felt about this whole matter but i'm gonna go out on a limb and say Probably not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, also, a lot of people viewed her at fault for all this bullshit. Because supposedly it was her that started the whole Ugh. thing. And who likes getting humiliated by the Pope? No one. That's who. Also, there's so much more that went on in this conflict. Yeah, like we took two to three years of civil war and brought it down to about... Five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> if... If you're interested in learning about the Count of Champagne versus Louis of France, it's very interesting. We just don't have time. Yeah, it's like Theobald, Louis, Pope, Eleanor, There's Cardinals. Like, everybody's uh, fighting. It is. It is. They should make a mini series about yeah. just even this part of Eleanor of Aquitaine's yeah, life. It agree. would be so interesting. But anyway, in April of 1145, after 10 years of marriage, Eleanor has a baby. Yay! Except it's a beautiful, healthy baby girl. <sighs> but oh, oh well. I, I mean, mean in, in, in today's terms, we'd be like, yay, baby girl, but history's a bag of dicks. So, yeah, everyone's a little bit disappointed, but she's still very young. And she's a baby machine. And so this proves she's a baby she's machine. She's at this point in her life, like, what? If they got married when she was 14, she's only like 24. Yeah. She has... Pl- 
it's proven, okay, if her husband finally mans up and fucks her, she can get pregnant. After murdering people. She can have a healthy baby <laughs> and she can survive the delivery. So, yeah. all good signs. Yeah, let's move on. She proved that she could make a son. Yeah, she's a baby machine. So, Louis is a wee bit disappointed because it's a girl. And also, he's kind of going through this little existential crisis point in his life. Because of all the murder. Yeah. (laughs) What should have been a happy time in their marriage really was not. The marriage really at this point... Well, I mean, from the get-go, it had never been super healthy. But at this point, it, like, was really deteriorating. Yeah, they were living separate lives, basically. Louis even gave a wedding gift that Eleanor had given to him. Like, he just gave it away. It was like... It's gorgeous. Like, I posted a picture of it on all of our social medias. It's this gorgeous vase um, that's, like, gold on the top and, like, white in the middle and gold on the bottom. It's from, like, Roman times. So even at that point, it It was... was old AF? Yeah, like, he, he, like... Donated money to build this church because he felt so bad about all the murder. He was just like, oh, here's this priceless vase my wife gave me and gave it to the church. It's now at the Louvre. You can see it. Well, I mean, so Louis was looking for a way to basically atone for his sins. And the Pope was like, hey, I'm looking at doing some of that crusading. You in? You want to go crusading? (laughs) And Louis was like, yes, this is perfect. So, Louis and Eleanor attend this event with the Pope, and they show up um, dressed as peasants in peasants' clothes, which is probably the only time Eleanor of Aquitaine ever dressed as a peasant. And they took an oath to take up the cross, which means they're going crusading, bitch. Yeah. Um, There's a story that during this ceremony, Ellie rode in dressed as an Amazonian woman. And dramatically declares that she would be joining her husband on crusade because she was just so passionate about killing Muslims, I guess. But this almost certainly didn't happen. I mean, I love the flair, but <laughs> it that it would have been frowned upon. Yeah. Okay, so let's do a super quick crash course on the crusades because, again, this is something that we could do a whole episode on. So the first Crusades had been about 50 years before. Crusades are Christians going over to the Holy Lands and telling Muslims and whatnot to, like, fuck off and being like, I'm the captain now, you know? and because this is like the Holy Lands where, you know, the Middle East where Jesus lives, so it's mine now. I don't don't, don't know. So since the first Crusade about um, 50 years prior... The country of Edessa had been taken over by the Turks. And the Pope was like, y'all go get it back. And thus, the Second Crusade. He appointed, um, the Pope appointed Louis and the, the Holy Roman Emperor, the King of the Germans. Um, I can't. Not relevant. <laughs> King, King not relevant. <laughs> King did not look up his name. <laughs> so Louis and King did not look up his name. Um, start forming, like, their squad to, like, go and take back parts of the Holy Land. So thus the Second Crusade happens. And we're all caught up now. Yep, yep. <laughs> so Louis's on crusade and so is Eleanor. So it's it's contested as to why Eleanor went because it was not customary for women to go on crusade because it was basically they're going on like a glorified war. Yeah. They're going to do some war dicking. They're going to do some genocide. <laughs> 
And usually the women stayed home so as not to get genocided. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but yes. It's yes. not funny. No. <laughs> I just say it funny. Um, <laughs> so many of the time, most of the time, the king, that he just wrote that he was so obsessed with his queen that he couldn't just bear to be apart from her. That was like a lot of like contemporaries being like, the king is bringing the queen because like he just can't imagine spending time without her. But... They were living separate lives at this point. So it doesn't really much. jive. That doesn't jive with me. No. Some people say that Louis didn't trust her not to turn Paris into, like, this liberal troubadour party town while he was gone. Um, ah. And so that's why he made her go, which tracks a little bit more. And some say that Eleanor refused to sit back and let the boys have all the fun, which... Also kind of sounds like Eleanor. Yeah. Though, so I don't know. I'm conflicted on the last two as mm-hmm. to why I think she went. Because I think she would have loved to have, because like Crusades last years, I think she would have loved to have a couple of years without Louis. Yeah. But I think maybe he would have not trusted her to be like maybe faithful or maybe not just like turn, run amok, you know. Yeah, like, turn but it then, into Orgyville. But then Orgyville. <laughs> 1149 or whatever. Um, <laughs> but then I also, it also tracks with her being like, oh, no, I'm not staying home while y'all go a crusading. I'm kind yeah, of crusading, you bitch. know? So I don't know. So we don't know why she went, but she went. She is shattering <laughs> crusade glass ceilings. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> so Eleanor brings this huge entourage and she brings all these other noble ladies and troubadours and they all bring loads of fucking luggage and all this bullshit. So from the get-go, she's blamed for slowing them down. Interesting. Something interesting um, that I read was... She did not go as the Queen of England. She went as the Duchess of Aquitaine. Ooh, she bougie. Because um, a lot of... Because they brought, like, forces with them. Because it was, in the end, supposed to be, like, a military thing. So, Louis, as the Queen of France, you know, like, so ever, like, people here and there are going to, like, join your cause... But as, like, specifically asking the people of Aquitaine, your beloved duchess, they were like, okay, we'll join. We, we weren't going to join when it was for Louis, but since you're specifically asking as the duchess of I guess we'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess exactly. we'll go. And so Louis ended up taking a vow of chastity for the entire length of the crusade, so he didn't travel with Eleanor at the time. And she was like, fine by me. <laughs> I mean, who would want to have a baby while on crusades anyway? Like, no, that sounds awful. And so because he took that vow of chastity, it wasn't just like, Okay, let's sleep in separate rooms. Like, they traveled completely separately. Because it was a huge, like, they had, like, something like 10,000, like, troops of, like, 10,000 people. So there was, it was very easy for them to, like, not even see each other for, like, weeks on end. So we won't bore you with, like, a step-by-step crash course in the crusade because there's like so many there's so many podcasts so much already dedicated to the crusade so um let's just sum it up and say that it went really really bad it was a bad time and somehow eleanor got the blame for everything that went wrong which makes no fucking sense at all there's even like this this one part where they were like trying to get um from point a to point b 
And Louis was like, let's go across this mountains at nighttime. And they got slaughtered by the Turks. And somehow that was even blamed on Eleanor. Oh, and God. she wasn't even in that group of people. Uh. <laughs> and they were like, oh, Eleanor somehow made them do that from 40 miles away yeah. or whatever. Like, right. It just like the misogyny is just. Running rampant, guys. Oh, Running rampant. And her marriage is literally falling apart since Louis doing nothing to stand up for her. No, he hears everybody talking shit on Eleanor. And instead of being like, hey, that's my wife. Maybe don't say that she's the devil. He's just like, oh, this takes this takes the attention off of me, who I'm really the one that should should. Because Louis didn't know the first thing about kinging, kinging or um, <laughs> like he didn't take any. This was the second crusades. Learn from the first crusades. Like, he didn't, <laughs> it's not going to work. He didn't learn anything. He didn't do his homework at all. So I think people talking shit on Eleanor, he was like, oh, takes the heat off of me. Yeah. I hear she's a witch. You know? Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so basically they fucking hated each other mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. So while they're crusading, they're getting attacked by the Turks left and right. There's a plague. You know. Um, the plague. Because hashtag medieval life. And people in the cities they're traveling through are refusing to sell them supplies. So the the French troops were given very strict orders not to rape and pillage. The German troops uh, were not given those same kind of orders. So and the German and troops um, preceded them. Uh, so a lot of time, by the time that the French troops were coming through... Um, yeah, of course the towns were completely closing off to them and refusing to sell them anything and refusing to like, and they're like, um, well, your, your German buddies, your Holy Roman Emperor buddies over here, like fucking killed my brother. No, you cannot buy grain from me or whatever. (laughs) Makes sense. Fair enough. And so they're like, some of the troops in the French crusade army are like having to eat their horses. Oh, that's fucking bad. I mean, cause they're, they're, I mean, first of all, like, uh, yeah. Oh, but like also like that's your transportation. Like I couldn't imagine being so desperate that I ate my car. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, well, I mean, uh, yeah, cuz I know like even nowadays people still eat horse, but not really eat... in America. No, no, no. But uh, but like in some places in the world it's a delicacy, but not as like a means of well, it's either that or kill one of the people around me and eat yeah, them. Yeah, but know? I mean, it's like, like you said, it's like eating your car. Like, yeah. that's your transportation. Now you gotta walk. Yeah. Bitch, I don't like walking. It's a long <laughs> way to walk from France to Jerusalem. Yeah. Fucking A. <laughs> so they make their way to Antioch, which is, like, in that general, general vicinity, and um, they found out when they arrived to Antioch that... Um, Edessa, where they were initially heading, burnt to the ground. It's completely gone. The Turks heard they were coming, and oh. they they killed their own people. because They were like, we don't want to leave anything here for the Christians to want to come get. Oh. So they completely torched it. So there was no reason to go there. And so Eleanor is actually pretty stoked about this new development, because her uncle Raymond just so happens to be the prince of Antioch. So, yeah, it's her... Um, her father's brother. Yes, her uncle. it is. Well, yeah, but it could have been his sister's. Her, oh, her, her mother's Touché. brother. Touché. Um, but it's disputed because Raymond is only about like ten to fifteen years older than Eleanor, so it's disputed if he was a, if he was like 
her double uncle uh, from Dangerous and Dangerous. You know, Coming like for the win. it's disputed if he was a legitimate son or an illegitimate son from that relationship. So it may have been her double uncle. Oh. <laughs> but either way, Eleanor gets there and it's this court with she like rocks up into Antioch. And there's troubadours and there's wine and everyone's dressed beautifully and there's like fine tapestries. And she's like, it's my people, yo. She's like, did I somehow leave Aquitaine and end up back in Aquitaine? What is going on here? (laughs) Like she, like the moment she gets there, she's like, feels like she's back at home. Everybody's speaking her language. Like they're all speaking. Yes. Like figuratively and literally. Like. And her and her uncle Raymond, even though they couldn't have been close before this, like, they just gel. Like, the mm-hmm. moment they start talking, they... And, like, I have plenty of friends that when I've met them, it's just, like, the moment you meet them, it's just like, oh, this is someone I was supposed to... And, you know, you click. just gel and you click right away. But because everybody is assholes, they were all like, oh, Eleanor's fucking her... Her, her uncle. Fucking what? Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Everyone, they got accused, her uncle Raymond and Eleanor from day one got accused of having an affair. Good lord. Bitch, I, please. Uh, 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 no. No. They just, just got along. Just because they got along. But like. Must what? mean they're doing a little bit of ear, ear, ear. I get along with most of my uncles as well. <laughs> you know? And Katie, it you're fucking mean, them. Oh. Gross. Ew. Sorry no. to bring it there. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> so Eleanor, who we don't think was having an affair with her uncle, mm-hmm. she felt at home. Like and she didn't want to leave. Why the fuck not? Can you blame her? No. The crusade would have been a fucking shit show by now. It was going very poorly. Yeah, and now she's feeling like, man, I feel like I'm at home and I'm happy for the first time in like years. And yeah, they were like crusading for nearly three years. So yeah, they she's were going, over it. So this was like the first time in a long time that she's felt at home. And she, yeah, she didn't, she was like, no, I'm I'm not going to Jerusalem. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm staying here. So Louis and Uncle Raymond have this falling out. So he was like, come on, Ellie, we're leaving. And Eleanor's like, actually, I think I'm going to stay here. Yeah, you say you say we're leaving. I think I hear you're leaving. <laughs> and you know what? I This just really isn't working. I think I'm going to chill here. You go to the Holy Lands. I'm going to secure us an annulment, and all is going to be good. And <laughs> Louis was immediately like, oh, this bitch. Yeah. No, 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 no. None of that shit is happening. And he forced Eleanor to go with him. So what is that? What, what, what I don't know. Forced? I don't know. Everything I read just said um, forced her. So I don't know. Did he like come and grab her while she was sleeping? Did he like, I have no idea. But huh. whatever, however he forced her to go, he forced her to go and she had to leave Antioch. And Raymond was actually, um, went to war and was beheaded a few, like, like two months later. That's sad. So basically, the end of the Crusades sounds like a goddamn disaster. The beginning of the Crusades was fun. The middle was a disaster. The end was a disaster. So they made their way to Jerusalem, but like by the time they got there... Their army had deflected. Everybody was like, fuck this, I'm not eating my horse. I'm using my horse to get back to France. Like, I'm 
out of here. And Eleanor basically hid the rest of this time. She was so fucking over this crusade bullshit. And she was embarrassed. Yeah, her husband treated her like shit. Like, I would too. So their crusades ended with a big old nada, nada, nothing. And then the French army, or like whatever remained of it, was like, fine, let's just, let's just, let's just go. Yeah, right. So Louis and Eleanor took separate ships from Jerusalem to Rome. And Eleanor's ship got taken over by pirates. Yeah. So the um, some <laughs> pirates that were, like, from the Byzantine Empire, like, took her over. And, like, even, like, they had to make land in, like, northern Africa. And she was there for, like, a couple of weeks until, like, word got to Constantinople. And then Constantinople sent, like, a letter back being like, please let the queen of france go they are our allies right? like, and then they're like oh okay okay king says you can go so that must have been fucking horrifying as shit i know right like, like if it could get any worse <laughs> throw some fucking pirates in the mix as well so she she arrives back in italy and louis is like what the fuck took you so long and she's it, like i don't even want to fucking talk about it get the fuck out of my I'm face i'm getting this goddamn annulment where's the pope where's the pope <laughs> so she presents her case to the pope and she's like, look, we're cousins. We haven't had any male heirs. So this union must be cursed, right? Oh, my God. At this point, like, why? Because Louis, Louis was, like, contesting it. And yeah. Why? Why were you contesting it? What did you... Th- what? I think just mm-hmm. out of embarrassment. Yeah, probably. Because it's probably, um, like, emasculating for your wife to say that he doesn't... She doesn't want to be yeah. married to you anymore. And, um... But no, Eleanor is like, no, we're annulling this shit. We're cousins. I don't want to do it. And, and the Pope, the Pope is like, nope. The Pope is like, nope. <laughs> He's like, uh, I'm at the Pope and I say, I nope. <laughs> He's basically like, if you say annulment one more goddamn time, I'm going to fucking slap you in the face, ho. And not only is the Pope not having any of this annulment shit, he's like, um, y'all are going to make another baby in Rome. Y'all are going to... Y'all are going to fuck tonight and make another baby in Rome. Oh, that sounds so romantic when the Pope tells you to bone. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pope has, like, this, like, whole Vatican honeymoon suite made up for them. I imagine there's, like, rose petals on the bed, a troubadour Marvin Gaye in the corner. <laughs> <A> troubadour. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, a couple bottles of champagne. <laughs> and the Pope is like... This is where the magic happens. (laughs) So the Pope escorts the two less than enthusiastic parties to their room. And he's like, turns, basically turns to Louis and is like, for the love of God, fuck your goddamn wife. And he does. And they leave Rome and guess who's Pregger? Eleanor. So their return to France was not that triumphant. Because they broke, yeah. both um, financially and emotionally. The crusade was an utter fucking failure, and everybody knew it. Yeah. Their relationship was in tatters. And um, everybody knew it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she was pregnant, so I mean, I guess there's hope, question mark? <laughs> if she could just maybe have a son, just maybe their lives could, like, be completely salvaged, and they could go back to being, like, this bright future that france just dreamed of and in the summer of 1150 eleanor gives birth again to a beautiful healthy perfect baby girl 
It should have been a moment to bring the couple together, but it just drove that wedge deeper, you know? And for a normal couple of this time, you would be like, okay, so you had two girls back to back. You've got a million years left to have more Mm -hmm. kids, but it already took them 15 years to have two babies because his dick was afraid of sin. (laughs) I wish you could have seen Katie's visual. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing a donut hole and a penis with my finger and his dick is just can't go in. (laughs) Can't go in. His dick is afraid of sin. (laughs) So So like, yeah. So if they were any other royal couple, they'd be like, okay, we've had two girls. It's fine. The next one's going to be a boy. But instead... After two girls, they just look at each other and just go... I'm fucking done. I'm I'm so done of looking at you. You make me fucking sick. And this time, Louis files for an annulment. And Eleanor, surprise, surprise, did not contest it. <laughs> I don't think she would have. And that's where we're going to leave Ellie this time. Um, so because she extra, yeah. she's gonna get a few episodes. So, um, yeah, we'll catch you next time, and we'll see what happens to El- We'll see if they get that annulment, and yeah. we'll see what happens. So, cheers to this badass bitch. Love y'all. So, thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just, like, hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on iTunes at Queens Podcast. All one word. All smushed up. Queens Podcast. Follow us on Facebook. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Bye, girl. Clink, clink. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.